Oh, this episode gives me a headache. Okay, real talk, real talk for a second. I have read on multiple sites... Okay, let's actually walk that back a second. Many people all have different perspectives of Trek, which is actually awesome. It's one of my favorite parts about Trek, is that we all disagree on things, and we can discuss it like reasonable human beings, right? I love that, and I do mean that with total sincerity. I even, just just yesterday, from my perspective, about two years ago, from your perspective, had a reasonable discussion with someone who absolutely loves Enterprise's intro theme. I despise it, but we can still discuss that like reasonable human beings because, hey, right? You know, differing opinions. Love it. So there's a lot of variance in the best and the worst Enterprise episodes, right? I've seen all, I've seen stuff that shows all sorts of stuff there. And usually I'm only partially in agreement with the general consensus. That being stated, multiple sites that I have all listed this as one of their favorite episodes of Enterprise. So. I posit to you the question. If you love this episode or like this episode, why? If you don't mind my asking. And, I mean, again, no judgment, obviously. that That's why I had that whole preface there. But I am curious what it is that it makes this episode work for you. Written by Sussman. Directed by McNeil. He's a good director. We got some good stuff there. Um, to Paul, we see her in a regular uniform. We see the destruction of Earth. We see her first sneak peek of the weapon, by the way. And... I will give them credit. It actually looks pretty impressive. So, credit where credit is due. Don't worry, we'll be seeing it in the future. But this is the reality of fiction, right? Point number one, this is a prequel to the rest of Star Trek, so they're not going to destroy Earth. Duh, right? I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no other way around this. So there's no impact from the destruction of Earth. It merely, you merely look at it and you think, oh, okay. You're gonna, how are you, how are you gonna undo that? Or maybe it's an illusion, you know? And that's the only question that's prompted. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, it does completely change the impact. As opposed to a fictional series where, you know, some consequences stick, you could show something like this and people would just be like, oh my god. Instead, it's more like, huh, I wonder how they're gonna undo that. Hmm. That should be interesting. Now, the other thing though is, well, this is fiction. Fiction doesn't do heavy-hitting stuff like that. Not usually. Sometimes they do, and those things tend to actually be pretty popular, funnily enough. But for the most part, fiction, especially long-standing fiction, doesn't do big consequences like this. It's just not their style. There's too many... It's it's not safe. It's, it's too risky of a storyline venture, and no one would ever allow it. I mean, look at how hard um, they had to champion to destroy Vulcan over in Star Trek 2009. And they, that was something they had to push for and push for and push for until they finally allowed it. And even then, it was only allowed in an alternate continuity, for God's sakes. An alternate timeline, I should say. Excuse me. Same continuity, different timeline. So, so we look at this and all of the impact is sapped from the intro because it's just kind of not happening. It's like, all right, well, this should be interesting. The only question I had was, is this an illusion or is this something that they're going to hit the reset button on? Now, if you've seen my Voyager stuff, you know I'm not very fond of the reset button. I've probably already given away my opinion here. I hate this episode. This episode pisses me off. Legitimately angers me. This episode is such a waste of my damn time. It's, and I'm going to try and discuss why, because that's my job. 
But in addition to all the things I'll be discussing, the biggest and most obvious thing is that it's a reset button episode, but it's one of the worst possible types of reset bu button episodes. It's the type where nothing changes, where nothing matters, and there's no relevance going forward or back. In other words, this episode never happened. So why did I waste my time watching it? To explain what I mean by that a little bit, this actually happened a couple times over on Voyager, and it pissed me off over there, too. But occasionally they would undo that. They would have, you know, okay, we hit the reset button, but we remember certain tidbits of it, or history was changed in a certain way where it's significant, or we learn more about the characters, or something. You do something with it, and so it's actually significant, as opposed to, I don't remember the name of the episode, but it's very early, Season 1 Voyager. There's an episode where they come across a planet that's been absolutely destroyed. And then they go down to the planet, and they go into the past, and we have one of the dumbest prime directive arguments in the history of Trek. And then they undo everything, the reset button is hit, no lessons learned. No character moments, no plot moments, no interesting moments, no idea moments, nothing. Waste of 44 minutes. Same problem here. Now, I think this episode's better than that one, because that one had a stupid prime directive argument, whereas this one doesn't, so that's neat. <laughs> what is the point of this damn episode? Excuse my language. Just... <sighs> so we see the worst kind of hell, at least one of the worst hells I can example of. Uh, or I can say example of? I could think of, because I, I can actually think of a worse hell than this. But imagine not being able to retain long-term memory. What's what the best part is that's really horrible for him, but that's also really horrible for everyone else. Is isn't that cute? Yeah. Um how did a random spatial anomaly leave parasites in his brain? Huh? I mean, I know this is Trek, but really that's your excuse for all this? I, what is this Metal Gear Solid 5? It's okay. Archer needs to breathe through his skin, so it's okay, guys. <sighs> so Travis is a red shirt. Honestly, do I need to say anything else about that? Travis is the first casualty. He dies very early on and isn't even mentioned the rest of the episode. Yep, that's how Enterprise treats Travis. Right there in a nutshell. Wow. Then, uh, so there's an explosion. We find out this is the apocalypse. What's the point of an apocalypse story or a post-apocalypse story? Usually, it's about one of two things. Either, oh my gosh, you know, a spectacle feature, or it's about people. Most apocalypse and post-apocalypse stories are all about the individuals and the deeply personal character stories, because it's all about how people react to it, how people change from it, how people deal with it. In fact, even that has considered also old hat at this point that some people consider it to be trite, because there's only so many reactions a person can have to you know the apocalypse, and we've seen all of them at this point. But what's the big character reaction? How do people react to the apocalypse? Well, we don't see that. I mean, she decides to take care of him, and he has no good memory, and everyone else just kind of goes off and lives their lives, but that's it. So... That's not there, so there's no point from the apocalypse or the post-apocalypse story. Cute. Okay. Uh, because it is my job to talk about this, let's go ahead and make a side note here. The Zindi have become the Galactic Empire. No, really. I mean, ignoring the fact that they have a Death Star. Let's pay attention to this for a moment, shall we? 
This race, which has a planet destroyer and a decent-sized military fleet, which can operate almost with impunity, which has a massive stronghold that most, most other races can't even penetrate into, never mind navigate safely, which they have the ability to sally out from regularly, has just shown up into the home sector, as I like to call it, and has completely removed one of the players from the board, with no real opposition. If you think about it, this is the establishment of a galactic empire. This is the establishment of the kind of horrific tyranny and rule through fear that that would involve. Because every other power will be fearing the same thing from those forces. And you know the Zindi Council, especially the Reptilians, would try to push for that angle. That is until, you know, the Expanse does its thing, but spoilers. So, yay, that's messed up. I just want, I actually don't have much else to comment on that. It is interesting to me how most of the other races decide deliberately to not get involved. The Vulcans are doing their own thing. The Nobians are doing their own thing. General Shran, Shran decided to go ahead and give them deflector shields. Thanks. But that's kind of it. And, uh, yeah. That's about it. Everyone's totally cool with an entire species being wiped out because fear that they'll be next. Tracks. Alright, so then they hit the reset button. Tucker says no for no reason. Um, so they target the bridge for once, and everyone on the bridge dies. That's what you get, Tucker. And then T'Pol is loyal to the end, or maybe guilty. I don't know. Um, you know, one of the things that they were pushing for in DS9 a lot was romances. They kept shipping the characters with other characters. I never really got why. I even made a joke about it once, about how they just constantly couldn't let Kira be single. She had, they had to constantly hook her up with different people throughout the show. But, um, wh what is with this? Because they have been kind of, but not really trying to hook, uh, to Paul and Archer up several times. And I say kind of not really, because they keep changing their minds on the matter. While she has an actual and honest-to-goodness connection to Tucker, she doesn't really seem to have any kind of romantic connection to Archer. Except for the one episode where they had that show up and then go away and never come back. Or the fact... You remember Impulse? Just a few episodes ago? The end of that episode was supposed to end with her and him kissing passionately. Out of absolutely nowhere. Because emotions are uninhibited and they've been been—they've totally loved each other ever since. Thankfully, that was torpedoed by Braga, no less. So, to hell with that. Then we have this episode, where clearly she has grown to love him, even though he is more or less incapable of loving her back, because of the memory thing, not because of anything else. So, why, does they keep, why do they keep pushing this thing? I don't know. What I do know is that that's the episode. We're done! I can hit stop recording? No, I can't. I have to, I have to talk about this, because this is my job. So... This episode is what we call an Elseworlds. Now, in the off chance you do not know what that is, please forgive me for the dissertation here. Dissertation. An Elseworlds, I, I forget if it's a DC term or a Marvel term. It was introduced to me decades ago, and I've used it ever since. It is a what-if scenario based on an existing scenario. Now, that's important. Uh, everything, every different fiction has their own term for it. There's, like, Star Wars Elseworlds. There's Marvel Elseworlds, DC Elseworlds. There's some Star Trek Elseworlds. And it's all based on that idea of, okay, so we have to start with the existing story, but we're going to change one little thing. You know, what if Vader was redeemed but didn't die at Return of the Jedi? That's one of them, for example. What if um, you know, Kingdom Come? 
over in DC is a perfect example of an Elseworld story. Now, I actually like a good Elseworld story, emphasis on the words good, because what it is, is it's detached from all of the restrictions that executives, who are stupid, continue to mandate on the narrative. Now, yes, I get why they put the mandate there. It's because they want to keep selling Spider-Man stuff. That is why. That is the reason. They don't want anything to happen to Spider-Man long-term, so they have to maintain the status quo so they could keep selling it. That is the point of, you know, the, the, the status quo maintenance. So fine, whatever. But an Elseworlds can ignore that because it's not part of the main story, so it bypasses that rule. So the writers can do whatever they want to with it. Now, a bad Elseworlds story will go completely overboard with this and just have lots of characters be killed off all willy-nilly and screw everything and just trash the setting and try to make as much of a junk heap of it as they possibly can because, the well, I've seen interviews from comic book writers especially where they mention that one of the reasons they do that is because they get so frustrated with the restrictions that they just write whatever the hell they want to as kind of a venting service. Now, I understand that, but um, that's kind of... Uh, leads to bad stories. Bad Elseworld stories. And oh, that sounds a lot like this episode, doesn't it? Now, I'm not saying Sussman did all this as a as an Elseworld. In fact, I don't think it had even occurred to him to do that. I think he was just playing around with the concepts because they needed to waste more time and fill out the episodes. <sighs> Remember how I mentioned how Season 3 is string continuity, kind of? This is one of the kind ofs, because this is has nothing to do with the main arc and doesn't really involve anything other than a peek in what'll happen if we fail, which we didn't really need because, well, first of all, we've seen Star Wars, but second of all, we kind of get the point here. <sighs> Sorry, I'm getting pissed off here. I do apologize. My point is, this is a bad Elseworlds, but a good Elseworlds can do stuff because that's the whole point. It can do things. Again, I refer to Kingdom Come. All-Star Superman is another good example of an Elseworld story. That was I, I just noticed I mentioned two uh, Superman stories, but the fact remains. Because the, the normal limitations have been removed from the equation, you can sit and think and just say, I want to do this type of story, and I want to have it have consequences. Now, that's the important part. Consequences can stick within an Elseworld because they only matter for that story. So you can have that consequence and show it, even though normally you couldn't, because, you know, you'd have to smash that reset button at the end of the episode. Make sense? You can see how this applies so easily to Star Trek. Trek has very, very rarely been allowed to alter the status quo. Maybe three times um, in all of Star Trek, up until, uh, honestly, I'd say up until maybe, God, I'm, I'm not even sure. Because that counts all the way through Enterprise. I'm not sure. It, I, that might be it as far as Trek goes. Not counting the new Trek which obviously I haven't seen. So they're not allowed to change the status quo unless they really, 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 really work for it. And occasionally they have managed it. So we've got this episode. Okay. Well, there's other problems with that. So first of all, an Elseworld story has to be enjoyable in its own right, which I don't think this is. But I'm willing to acquiesce that that's probably one of the better aspects of the episode. This is why this is not a lamentation, by the way. Because it's not. It's a decent episode in its own right. And if it was an Elseworlds tale, sure, whatever. It's not. Ironically, even though this would be impossible, this episode would have fit better back in season one or two. 
to really just tease all this stuff. And then it's just dropped and the episode ends and the reset button's hit. And then in end of season two, we find out that there's this probe that's shown up and there's this race called the Zindi. This could have actually worked as foreshadowing and that would have pissed me off substantially less because then it would have had a purpose and a point and it would have been a slightly more interesting Elseworlds story and, this is important, it would have interrupted the flow of the plot of season three, which it does. But I'm getting off topic. So, the other benefit, though, of an Elseworlds is you do something with it. You, pr you, you change one of the variables, and it's like, okay, variables changed. Now let's actually examine the consequence of that. We get to shine a different light or a light from a different angle on the existing characters, situations, technology, resources, special powers, magic, whatever, and thus show it in a different manner. And that new perspective can change how we think of it, even for the main stuff. The aforementioned two Superman stories I just mentioned are a perfect example of that. And yet, this episode doesn't do that at all, unless you count the T'Pol crushing on Archer thing, which I absolutely do not count. In fact, most of this episode is wasted, recounting what's happened since the last time, rather than actually sitting and examining any of the impacts on any of the people. It's just kind of... Doo -doo 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 -doo. I mean, they killed Travis off as a red shirt at the beginning of the episode. That's about as much respect this episode has for the characters that it might be shining in a new light on. You see why I really don't like this episode? Because it doesn't do anything with the characters, or the concepts, or the plot. It, do it doesn't do anything with foreshadowing. It doesn't have any purpose in its own right. It's not particularly enjoyable as a self-contained story, especially considering it ends by smashing the reset button as hard as it can. And then finally, it interrupts the flow of the existing narrative. I, 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 I'm angry enough that I am actually having trouble explaining this. So I apologize. If I have failed, I'm not going to keep trying. I've, I've, I've gotten the points out. You know, I, I feel like I've made my case terribly. I hope you at least understand the points I am trying to make. I am very much interested in looking forward to yours. Because I'm, I want to know what you all think about this one. I notice this is going to be kind of a short one. I notice several of these Enterprise episodes are relatively short because I just don't have much to say about them in particular. And because I'm getting really good at being efficient about these videos. So... Regardless, oh yeah, and it was on SETI Alpha 5. Oh, this is SETI Alpha 5! There we go, got that out of the way. You thought I didn't notice, did you? There's a Uridian, too. What do you think? Let me know in the comments. Like, comment, and subscribe. Don't, don't do any of that. I mean, do comment. I do want to hear your comments, but whatever. I'll see you next time. <laughs>